Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. We're doing this series at the moment called Think About It, and and all of the topics that we've chosen are the kinds of things where we want to look at Scripture, where we want to figure out how do we engage with these kinds of things within our lives because they are part of our life experience and living out our faith. That we want to see what Scripture has to say for us, to us, for us, and then think about how do we live this? What does this mean for our day-to-day? And suffering is one of those big issues that is going to affect all of us. None of us are exempt. All of us are going going to encounter seasons of heartbreak or loss or pain or disappointment or trials, as Scripture often describes them. And it's one of those topics where I've seen people's responses really vary. It seems that this is one of those things that for, as we figure out our response to what it is that's going on in our lives that's really hard, it can either drive a wedge between us and God and we turn our back and walk away and lose our faith, or it can propel us deeper into him. And that's what I want for me, for my family, for you. That, that we would be equipped so that when hard things come our way, they're not going to take us completely by surprise because we anticipate that there are going to be seasons that include hard things. But that we are, we've thought about it. We're equipped to be able to use that as something that propels us towards Jesus. Because amazingly, within suffering, there's this potential for growth, this potential for transformation in us, as well as in our relationship with God and with other people. But it's not a given. And so, how do we wrap our heads around all of that? Things like earthquakes in Nepal, wars in Israel and Gaza, in the Ukraine, not getting the job that you'd hoped for and that you thought you were like a shoo-in for, or a breakdown in a relationship, or the baby that you long for that doesn't arrive, or, you know, the list goes on, right? Health diagnoses that many of us have had to navigate. I think one of the keys for us is thinking about preparation, is trying to get ahead of it so that then we have got tools in our tool belt. Learning to suffer well is a key aspect of Christian maturity, but it isn't easy and it isn't straightforward. And I wish I could say, okay, here's the formula. If you just do A plus B plus C, you will get D. Nah, doesn't work that way. There is nothing simple about this. Please don't hear anything that I say today is something that makes that simplifies things because suffering just isn't simple. So don't don't hear me diminishing anything because often in those seasons of grief and of loss, we are overwhelmed by our circumstances and our feelings that go along with them. However, there is hope within them. As people of Jesus, there is hope for us, even in the hardest and darkest of days. When we're in the thick of crisis or loss, I know that that can be overwhelming and it can be too much to actually take on board what I'm about to say. 
So if you've come here today, information may not be what you most need. What you most need is probably an encounter with the love of God given to you through the kindness and the compassion of his people. And so if that's you this morning, don't even worry about keeping track of what I'm saying. There might be one thing that catches your attention. Maybe none, because actually just where you're at at the moment is just too much to be able to take that on board. This has been recorded. You can come back and listen to this any old time. Just relax. God is here. He's been present with us this morning. And so count on him to be able to come and to meet with you in the place that you most need him. So why don't we pray? I've got to be honest, I've really wrestled over this. If we sat down over a cup of coffee, I would be able to talk to you about this because I've had to think about it a lot, living with chronic illness since I was 11 and some other, you know, all the other things that life brings your way. But for some reason, putting this message together has actually been really stretching this week. It's been a bit of a battle to get over the line. And, uh, and I wonder if some of that's because it's such a meaty topic and I want to do it justice and I want to serve you well. So let's make sure that I've got God helping me to do that, right? So Father, we are incredibly grateful I am incredibly grateful that you are present in all of the things of our lives. That you promise to be with us on those mountaintop moments, but you also promise to navigate the valleys with us. You don't leave us, ever. And God, I pray the truth of who you are and what it is that you can do, even in those seasons of suffering in our lives, God, that these would become foundational in our lives and our walks with you. So I pray that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would enable me to be able to share your heart for your people on this day. In your beautiful name, amen. All right. Okay. I think a helpful place for us to start is to look at some of what Scripture would say are the reasons why we have suffering in the world. It's, it's one of those questions that whenever you know, we've talked to people who are in the thick of something that's really tough, there's that relentless question of, I don't understand, why is this happening? Anybody? Like in the moment, it's just like, I just don't get this. Why is this going on? And, and scripture gives us some insight into that. But I'll be super honest with you, right from the get-go, the get it doesn't tell us all of our answers. We're not going to find a pithy one-liner, you know, that's going to cover it for us. However, some of the things that we can take from Scripture give us really solid foundations to have a firm footing, to be able to engage with our own experience, our personal and particular experience of pain and suffering in more hopeful and helpful ways. So that's why we're going to start there, okay? Cool. Are you with me? I haven't, like, scared you all, have I? <laughs> You're very quiet. You're normally a bit more chatty. You can still be that. I mean, the amazing thing is, I was talking to my mum and dad yesterday, and, uh, and they'd been to the funeral directors talking about preparation. They're in their late 70s and early 80s. They're actually okay, don't panic. Um, I, just, I, I did check. Um, but uh, they just want to be prepared. 
You know, they've been to the funeral director, they've met them, they've talked about coffins and liners and funeral plans and all the things. And I'm like, okay. It was like, oh, okay, I'm sitting down. And, uh, and settled in for the next hour. But, but there's that, but they're people of faith. They're not afraid of facing this thing head on. Although mum, you know, she's like, you know, I can, I've done this for a few hours today with dad. I've hit the wall now, I need to stop. I'll come back and, and revisit it. You know, so, so that's the nature of these sorts of topics. We can talk about these things. It's super, it's okay. It's a part of our lives. But I also know that it can be a little wearying and a little challenging for us. So um, bear with, bear with. All right, first of all, I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is broken. Yes, I know, it just definitely is. That's the first truth about suffering. It was never meant to be a part of God's original plan for the world and for all of creation. That might sound incredible, but it's, it's true. It's vital for us to know that. Suffering is a result of the fall that we read about in Genesis. If for those of you who are newer to faith and maybe aren't so familiar with your Bibles, the very first book and the very first few chapters of the Bible tell us the story of God's beautiful creation here in the world and then this fall, this moment of decision where our forebears, Adam and Eve, made a bad choice that has consequences for the entirety of creation, for the entirety of history. That was a momentous decision where they decided to rebel against God, not to live the way that he had commanded them to or was inviting them into. They had relationship with him. They could walk with him, talk with him, and they threw that all away because they wanted to be like him. In Romans 5 verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people, because all sinned. Because of those choices made way back when, the whole of creation, including us, is affected now because sin and evil has entered the world, and death. Christopher Wright, he's written a book called The God I Don't Understand. This is what he says. We finite human beings cannot, indeed must not, make sense of evil. For the final truth is that evil does not make sense. Sense is part of our rationality that in itself is part of God's good creation and God's image in us. So evil can have no sense since sense itself is a good thing. Evil has no proper place within creation. It does not intrinsically belong to the creation as God originally made it, nor will it belong to creation as God will ultimately redeem it. It cannot and must not be integrated into the universe as a rational, legitimated, justified part of reality. Evil is not there to be understood, but to be resisted and ultimately expelled. Evil was and remains an intruder, an alien presence. Evil is beyond our understanding because it is not part of the ultimate reality that God in his perfect wisdom and utter truthfulness intends us to understand. That is why it is so hard for our brains to, to get around this. It doesn't make sense. I mean, has anyone ever said that? You know, when you're faced with it, this doesn't make sense. That's why we don't always have answers to our why. Because this was never meant to be part of our experience. It's so difficult for us. 
So the world is broken, and it suffers the effects of sin and evil because of those wrong choices of our forebears. So sin came into the world, even evil came into the world, and so our second thing is it's a consequence of sin. Suffering is a consequence of sin. Sin is talked about, and, and is in the Hebrew is katar, is our failure to love God and to love people in the ways that God made us for as his image bearers. It's basically we fail to miss the mark. And the thing is that we are often so self-deceived that we don't even notice our moral failure. We're so distracted, often, with ourselves. Sin separates us from God, our own humanity, and one another, and it results in death. Romans 6.23 tells us that this, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. We have another option. So we can experience that kind of death. It's not just that physical death that my mum and dad are preparing for one day. Please, Jesus, not in a hurry. But it's, we can die emotionally, mentally, spiritually, while we're still breathing. And that isn't, you know, when Jesus says, I actually haven't got this in my notes, but when Jesus tells people, I've come that you might have life to the full, it's the complete opposite of the death that comes as a result of sin and evil. It's life to the full, lived with him. Life lived with him, that's what he's talking about. And this is where our free will comes into play. Unfortunately, if we are living out of our sinful nature, out of our disordered desires, we're going to make some faulty choices. And those consequences of those choices are going to affect us as well as other people. Anyone been on the receiving end of someone else's bad choices? that they made the decision, but actually there's massive consequences for us. Suffering results from those choices. And not just ours, the fact that the whole of creation, you know, that, that amazing uh, couple of verses in Romans 8, for we know that all of creation is groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. In this day, while we wait for Jesus' final return, we are still going to have to navigate and wrestle our way through the effects of sin and the suffering that that creates for us and for others and the world. It's, you know, it's why we have things like earthquakes, because the whole of creation has been impacted by this. Our very cells in our body have been affected by this. And so we long for things to be different. Sometimes it's the purposes of God within our suffering that we see. Philippians 1.29, For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf not only to believe in him, but also suffer for him. Sometimes our suffering is because of our faith. Not always. Everybody suffers, every human on the planet. But for those of us who follow Jesus, sometimes there's some particular areas of suffering that are, are because of our faith. Certainly in some parts of the world, that would definitely be true. I know we've got friends here, you know, who have been missionaries into countries that they can't even name because it is not safe for their Christian friends in that country. You know, I'm heartened by the fact that Jesus is familiar with suffering. 
He's known as the man of sorrows and the son of suffering. It's quite the antithesis to what we sort of think a king would be, isn't it? Or a saviour would be. This is, this is God who came in, in human, like in just Stanley's message last week about him embodying a human body to know fully, to identify with us and everything that we experience. And he experienced suffering willingly. Jesus knew, as did his disciples, that suffering is just a part of our faith journey. It's nothing to be surprised by. They knew, and I know that many of you in the room do as well, that God can use these seasons in our lives for good in us and for us, but we just don't always see it in the moment, do we? And so we have a choice about our responses to all of this. And one of those challenges that we come face-to-face with when we are experiencing suffering is our lack of control over our lives. I think it's one of the most confronting parts of it all. Tim Keller, who actually, he just recently died this year after his journey through cancer, said this in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. When pain and suffering come upon us, we finally see not only that we are not in control of our lives, but that we never were. That's a Western mindset. We've been, we are like cooked in the soup of we can choose this, that, and everything else, and we are the masters of our own destiny, right? No. The minute you have your baby have a high temperature that you cannot get down and you're scared about what's going to happen next, you realize your lack of control. The minute that you're in the doctor's waiting room, waiting on the results of a test, you realise, oh man, there is a lot of really important stuff I have no control over. We have no control over the choices of others that affect our lives in really significant ways. We don't have control. However, it's quite depressing, isn't it? For us Westerners, I'm sure if we talk to people with a different background, then they might have a different perspective, but I'm just, this is us. However, we don't have control, much as we have the illusion of it, but we do have choice. Viktor Frankl, who was a um, Jewish psychiatrist who survived Auschwitz, has anyone read his amazing book, Man's Search for Meaning? I mean, it's life-changing stuff. Phenomenal. This is a man who survived what has got to be hell on earth, right? He says this, Everything can be taken from a man and a woman, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. We get to choose how we respond to the things that happen in our lives. We can't control them, but we can choose how we're going to engage with them. And so those are some of the things that I'd love for us to take a quick look at. If you think about Hebrews 11, there's this whole chapter where it tells us about those who have gone before us, the heroes of our faith. Not one of them were not marked by suffering. Jesus and his disciples, all of them marked by suffering. We are in good company. And the amazing thing for us at this end of history, looking back at some of that, is we can see the good that came out of it, right? which we don't always have that perspective when we're in the midst of our own. That's why reading the Bible is so important for us. We're not only are we getting to know God and getting to know how he would be inviting us to live our lives with him, but also so that we have the benefit of the history of all of those faith-filled people that have gone before us. 
that give us hope when we're feeling hopeless, that give us, that reinforce this choosing. What are, we, what are those choices? Where do those choices lead people to? We get to see people's choices lead them to really unhelpful places and choices that lead them to life, even if it involves hard things. So first of all, we want to choose to trust that God is good all the time and that he loves you. You know, people often, I grew up in an era where people would go, no, oh, God is good, which is really easy to say when things are going great, right? However, when we're going through really hard things, truth is, God is still good. I, you know, it's like, and then someone eventually just like, all the time, they just tack that on, just because it's true. But we forget. I've got uh, some scriptures up there for you, which I won't, I don't have time to unpack all of them, but you might want to take a photo and, and have a look at them later. But it invites us to come and to experience the goodness of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good, and blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. That's our choice, that piece, the choice taking refuge in him. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all the generations. That's why I love, you know, when we're singing worship songs, the truth that is embedded in them. When we're singing that song this morning, the same God, the same God that was with Moses, the same God that was with Abraham, the same God that was with Jesus is the same God that is with us. That is who we are in relationship with. That is who gives us hope in the midst of some of our hard things. However, we have to choose to trust him. And you're like, well, and how do I do that? For those of you new to faith or kind of just early on in this piece, or you're young and you haven't had years worth of experience in life yet, how is it that we actually cultivate this thing of trust? It's incremental. It's bit by bit, it's day by day, it's listening to other people's stories and hearing about the faithfulness of God and what it is that he's done in their lives, as well as us building up our own book of stories that we can lean into when things are really hard. Remember when God provided us for us then? Remember when he was present with us when we lost our baby? Remember when it was that he made a way for us when we couldn't see a way ahead? That's when we lean into our story, the story of the people that are around us and the stories of those in scripture and in church history. They anchor us. They help us to trust God even when that is the hardest thing to do because we can't see him and we can't always feel him when we're in the middle of the hard things. Another place for us to choose is to choose to trust that he is with us. You know, we are all going to experience suffering the, the difference is we get to choose, am I going to walk alone through it or am I going to walk with him through it? Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, The Lord goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Helen Cameron, who is a spiritual director, she says this, In the Psalms, we learn that God watches over us and keeps us from harm, but he doesn't remove us from the heat of the day. Rather, he is our shade and our protection while the heat continues unabated. But life and flourishing are made possible within it. Doesn't that kind of just turn your head around a little? And yet it's true. I've talked to people who are 
in the midst of a chemo treatment for cancer or something, and they have this profound sense of peace and the presence of God with them, which on the surface of things doesn't make any sense. And yet that is the promise of God. He promises to go with us, ahead of us, behind us, with us, into anything that we face. And we see Jesus' response to suffering when his friends lose their brother, when Lazarus dies. What does he do? Does he tell them off for their lack of faith? No. He holds them close. He draws near and he weeps with them. It kind of blows my mind that he wept over the loss of Lazarus, knowing he was going to raise him back to life. But that didn't take away his compassion in the moment of loss. We have a compassionate and kind and loving God who promises to be with us in those hard seasons. He walks through the valleys as well as the mountaintops. Another thing that we can choose to do is to look for God's plan in the midst of it all. There is this incredibly redemptive potential within suffering. It's so typical of God, isn't it, to take something and flip it on its head? He seems to be really good at that. While suffering remains evil and not part of God's original plan, it can be redeemed and made purposeful. We might not see, and I know for myself, we've been through some really difficult things at different times over the years, and I, I would be lying if I said to you, I was totally aware of God's plan in the middle of it all. It just wasn't. Like, we lost a baby at 10 weeks. It's like, I've had friends that we've journeyed really closely with who've had stillborn babies. It's like, I don't get that. Those are those, why, why? You know, why, I don't, where is your plan in this? God, it's not easy to spot. And sometimes, even in hindsight, it's not easy to spot. However, sometimes it is. We get these glimpses of what God might be doing in the moment, even while there is pain in that moment. Or it might be that we actually need to lean into the strength of others who can hold that for us, even while we can't, so that there's time for us to get there. And honestly, oftentimes we don't always see God's plans and purposes until it's in our rearview mirror, with the benefit of hindsight, with the benefit of having walked through a thing and out the other side. For those of us uh, who are familiar with the story of Joseph in Genesis 37 to 50, this is a young man who went through all sorts of unearned suffering. He was a good guy that a whole lot of bad things happened to. First of all, because he was his father's favourite, his brothers hated him. Hated him to the point that they sold him into slavery. As much as our family dynamics can get a little out of whack, we have never done that. (laughs) But he was sold into slavery and then falsely accused of rape and wrongly imprisoned for 13 years, left to rot. I mean, can you imagine what the state of the prisons would have been in the Middle East back in the day? Never good, right? He would have sat in that cell thinking, I'm dead. There is no future. And it is so unfair. Everything that had happened to him was really unfair. This was a good guy, 
Bad things happened. However, ultimately, he came to the attention of Pharaoh because he had this amazing gift of being able to interpret people's dreams. And that ultimately led to him being put second in charge in the whole of Egypt, which was a massive power at the time, national power. And because of that role and his ability to dream dreams and interpret dreams for others, became pivotal in being able to safely create food resources. I don't know what the number of people was, but for the whole of the people of Egypt and surrounding areas. There must have been times when he was like, God, this is so unfair. I do not get what is going on. Why has this happened to me? And years later, he could have looked in his rearview mirror and gone, ah, you were doing something in me and for me that I knew nothing about. And I ended up where I needed to be. He goes on to tell his brothers years later when they are reunited, And Genesis 50, 20 says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Romans 8, 28, the Apostle Paul tells us, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Suffering is the crucible by which we find out what's at the centre of our lives and demonstrates the truth of our faith to ourselves and to the world. In times of intense pain or turmoil, we cling to what we have placed our hope in. Do I really hope in God? Suffering's going to show you if that's true. But we can prepare for that, for that by building up these areas of trust before we get there. So in a lot of ways, suffering reveals to us what our, whether our faith is a mere childish hope or a factual, robust reality. Whatever character or faith are already built into our lives prior to going through suffering tends to come out during suffering. It's why when we see people going through heartbreaking things, some of them inspire us because of the way that they respond by turning to God in the midst of it. It is breathtaking to watch. It's kind of, I'm in awe. Warren W., and a name I can't say very well at the end, he says this, he's an American Bible teacher, Our values determine our evaluations. If we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the material and physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. If we live only for the present and forget the future, then trials will make us bitter, not better. And James, you know, he tells, Paul tells us in... The book of James, sorry, not Paul, Uh, James, because it's James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That is the redemptive potential within these seasons of suffering. That is what God can do if we choose to stay with him in it. There's a couple of books that I thought might be helpful just as I'm wrapping up. 
Tim Keller's book that I've mentioned already, Peter Fitch, Learning to Suffer Well. Um, this <laughs> thrilling title, eh? I'm not sure that it's a bestseller, but it is actually really great. Um, it is a fantastic book. We know Peter. Uh, C.S. Lewis, The Problem of Pain. Pete Greer, God on Mute, which is looking at the how do we live with the tension of unanswered prayer. And that, that, is, that is where I want to land. I, like, this is literally scratching the surface of a very important issue for each one of us to re- kind of really wrestle with and do some more thinking about. And so that's why I've got those there, because depending on kind of, you know, where you're at, you'll either find some of those, you can find them on podcasts, or, you know, that just kind of anchor us more firmly to be able to go forward. So let's just finish with this quote from Tim Keller. So suffering is at the very heart of the Christian faith. It is not only the way that Christ became like and redeemed us, but it is one of the main ways that we become like him and experience his redemption. And that means that our suffering, despite its painfulness, is also filled with purpose and usefulness. There is hope to be had even as we prepare for hard things or even as we are in a hard season at the moment. And one of the questions that you might want to take home and and chat with people over lunch or ponder as you uh, go and turn this all into prayer is how have you seen God turn something that initially caused pain in your life to be something good? And how does that lead you into deeper trust in him? Because I think if we sat down with many people, like I know some of your stories and I know some of the suffering and the pain that some of you have, have been journeying through or are in the midst of, and if we got to sit down and hear more of that it calls us forward. It draws us into more of God. That's the potential that's there for each one of us. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.